Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao, where I chat with awesome people about their creative process, their cultural identity, and how they're still growing as a human being. You can find all of my past guests and get in touch with me at coffeewithbao.com. You guys want to meet who I'm hanging out with today? <laughs> today, I'm hanging out with a fellow creative shapeshifter. He's an artist, musician, entrepreneur, and filmmaker. His career composed of so many cool things, but、uh, notably, he's been a sound engineer in the music and TV industries. He's had his own recording studio for a little bit. He spent ages overseeing the West Coast operations for Slingshot Intergalactic, which magically beams TV and movie footage around the world during the production process. And、uh, pre COVID, he was touring his debut feature length film called It Is Well. Which has now moved to streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Here's my friend and my former neighbor, Benny Mitchell III. There he is. <laughs> Benny. Dude,、um, thank you so much. Downtown LA misses you very much. Where are you at right now? I do miss downtown LA. I want to shout out、uh, Helen、yes. and Eric Montanez. What's up, guys?、Uh, Bow, of course, everybody on the Sixth Street crew. And uh, <laughs> uh, let's see,、uh, Melanin on Six on the seventh floor. Yeah. All the ladies of、uh, Melanin on Six. I miss that crew really, really much. Slingshot and a couple other people around the block. I miss downtown, though. It was, it was really, really fun. Well, when we can travel again, Who knows? Maybe you'll be back here. I, I mean, I, I don't know about all of that now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in, I, I know, right? I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina at the moment. And, Charlotte?、Uh, yeah. So right now, I'm, I'm, I have a backyard, I have a front yard.、Uh, so it's, it's pretty nice over here to slow down a little bit. Yeah. I yeah, bet. It's really nice. Cool, man. Thanks for joining me. I, I,、um, I mean, I just really appreciate you coming down to this little conversation, making time for me. But also,、uh, I'm expecting you know, that we'll have a cool conversation and sharing some of your insights, which、um, I'm really excited about. So,、um, well, thank you for having me, man. You're a solid Georgia. Boy, Georgia man. <laughs> But、um, I read somewhere that you, you guys kind of lived some, in some other southern states too as a, as a kid. Yeah, so I, I was born in Savannah, Georgia. So I am a southern boy or a southern gentleman. Yeah. Uh, uh, my sisters and I also went to a boarding school.、Um, I spent all of my high school career there. So I grew up, per se, in.、Uh, Piney Woods, Mississippi. So after graduation, I、uh, went back to Savannah, Georgia. I see. Yeah. That's cool because、uh, one of these days I'll be able to meet your family and、um, hang out a little bit, see what's up with these, these Southerners. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, it, it, it'll be no problem. They'll take you outside and、uh, they'll have what, what they call a low country boil. Oh, yeah. It's like,、uh, You know what that is? Yes. So,、feed、yeah,、me. that's that place is that place is a、uh, who? Pig meat? I said, feed me. Oh. <laughs>、uh, but yeah, they'll have a good time with the low, low country boil and, you know, some music and everything like that. That's beautiful.、Um, how far back do you, do you know about your family history and stuff?、Uh, have you guys always、oh, man, been a- in that area? Um, so that's a great question. It's also kind of complex, also. I bet. So I can't go back no more than my great grandparents.、Mm. I mean, I, I, I barely know a little bit about that, dude, because there weren't as many photos.、Um, but as far as like going back further than that, I, I don't know that information because、uh, it was buried on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and it wasn't our doing. It wasn't my family's doing. This is, is, is part of the sins 
of America. Yeah. So I don't know that much about my history. There have been talks about like, hey, yeah, you have Cherokee in your family, but I don't know that. Haven't seen any documents, no pictures. Uh, that's all hearsay on my dad's side and on my mom's side. I just know her grandfather was a white man. Um, and other than that, that's it. I don't know too much about that. Yeah, I think people like you and me spend a lot of our efforts trying to reconstruct a lot of that because um, our family history was destroyed too when um, the Vietnam Civil War stuff happened, which is why um, I thought it was so important and huge that you did so much work to preserve the legacy of your father in your film, and which we'll talk about in a few, but um, good on you, dude. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so you guys are, um, you're, you're church people. <laughs> And with the boarding school and all, I, I feel like uh, that was your community, right, around Savannah and Mississippi. And um, I wonder, like, if that was your superhero origin story, wh what do you think is the superpower that you got out of that? <laughs> Talk about superpowers. So, yeah, I am a preacher's kid. So growing up, the community I grew up in at that church, um, you know, I made some lifetime friendships with some people's uh, or other people's sons and daughters mm -hmm. um, um, by singing in the choir or doing some church activity, whether it was BTU, which was Baptist Training Union, Sunday school, um, uh, vacation Bible school. So, you know, from like the age of a baby <laughs> up until, you know, uh, you, you made some really cool connections some people you just don't that you know and some people that you just don't talk to so yeah um it's like any other community but it was it was um uh, you know going to boarding school was also a point in my life where i was developing myself i was you know defining myself yeah on who i was going to be so from the age of like 14 to 18 i was there i was impressionable you know, I was, I was growing. So I was around a whole bunch of smart kids that were, it was an all black boarding school uh, from kids all over the world. So I got to grow up with some people from Angola, Ethiopia, oh, wow. uh, Washington, DC, uh, Oakland, California, Los Angeles, you name it all over these big cities and also small towns like Canton, Mississippi, or uh, Yazoo City, Mississippi, um, behind God's back, Alabama, you know, so it, it, it depends That's awesome. on, yeah, it, it was a plethora of kids, um, that went to this school and we grew up together and, you know, we may not speak every day, but we share a bond that, that you can't really shake because that we have something in common. Matter of fact, I have some family, some PWS, Piney Woods Country Life School family in LA. So I wanted to shout them out one time. Nice. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, aside from finding out about your digging deeper into your family history and stuff, um, what was something else or was there anything else that was like either extra challenging or kind of underrated, misunderstood about your upbringing? Yeah. You know, once people find out who you are or what your parents do for a living or mm. as a passion or something like that, they kind of label you, you know, especially if your family or your, your, the leader of the family was out in front being yeah. bold. Yeah. So, uh, if I wanted to go to the movies at nine o'clock at night, Oh, you, you won't be able to do that. Your daddy is, such and such. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> right. So I was always put out on Front Street where if somebody didn't know and somebody knew, oh, they would have known by the end of the night because yeah. it was just something to talk about. Wow. You know? So that's one thing, just kind of like dealing with, uh, you know, peer pressure um, because, you know, that makes you want to be your own person, you know, and then 
you doing a little bit rebellion, a little bit of rebellion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> until you really find out who you are. Once you find out who you are, you're fine. You're you're okay with it. But uh, when you're just trying to make friends and coming from two different parts, uh, I would go one place and it was accepted. And then you would come back home and the things that you've learned from this other place. Uh, yeah. uh, they might think something else over here, like, oh, you too good or you talk funny. You, you know, you from blah, blah, blah. And we don't talk like that around here. <laughs> you don't talk like you were from around here. Where you from? What high school did you go to? Oh, well, you're not from here. You wow. know? So it's uh, trying to find acceptance in a place where, you know, you shouldn't have to try to um, validate yourself. Yeah, you know? that's interesting. Um, so I always see you as an artist, like somewhere in between art and, and business. I read or I learned a little bit about um, you getting into music as a teenager, as a youngster. And um, I wonder if that's like through the church that you just got thrown in there or were you just born music curious? Uh, you know, my father was musically inclined. And as you'll see um, in the film that he was basically a singer. And yeah. uh, I learned some things about him uh, during the process of making this film was he used to go to other people's houses when he was a teenager and play and sing um, for tips. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Like, that was just something that he just didn't mention, <laughs> you know? But uh, <clears throat> he would do that. And... Uh, of course, he had his own band when he got into like his college era. He would, you know, sing at different clubs. And uh, matter of fact, um, he took my mom <clears throat> one of their first date. Part two of their first date uh, was being at a club he was singing at. Oh, wow. That's a way to yeah. impress a girl, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so, so yeah, it's kind of um, natural that you got in and started doing something yourself with music. Yeah, I played piano from the age of four to about maybe um, piano and drums. Drums, piano I learned uh, in the daytime. Drums was more like at church. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't play drums at church. I just kind of like picked up drums set a little uh, bit. I got you. Um, and then I learned how to record my father at the age of 10. Just, what do you that mean? was the first time. Like uh, recording his um, his sermons, like his on, speeches. On, on cassette or on reels and stuff? Reel to reel. Oh, man. Reel to reel. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I was at the age of 10 when I started that. That's so and, cool. Um, yeah. And um, uh, by, a woman by the name of uh, Kim Coney, who's kind of like a big sister, uh, Kim Coney, well, her name was Kim Parham at then, but her name is Kim, Kim Coney. She showed me how to yeah. loop the tape into the machine and reel it up for the pre-roll, hit record. And I've been doing that since I was 10 years old. Wow. And then, then they moved to cassette tapes. <laughs> and then I was the one to move them into the digital era of uh, CD recording. Yes, that's so cool, man. Did you perform and stuff in front of audiences? Yeah. Uh, so I was in a jazz band all through high school, alto saxophone. I didn't know. Th um, what? I didn't know this. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So even you know, uh, I started playing the saxophone when I was like in the fifth grade and uh, alto saxophone and I just played. And then when I got to Piney Woods Country Life School, they had a jazz teacher. His name was Mr. Holly, and he was a really a real jazz musician. And, um, you know, uh, I learned and played jazz music and found a love for jazz music. Yeah. Uh, at that time through him. Yeah. That's yeah, really cool. So, Do you still have your sax? Yeah. A sax? Do you think no, you can pick it I, up I, and play? Oh, definitely. I know the fingering. <laughs> yeah, that's. My my armature might be shot to hell. I probably <laughs> could be play like five ten minutes, and I have to put it down because my armature will be shot. But yeah, yeah, 
I'm gonna definitely pick it up. That's super cool. <laughs> That's really great. Um, you went to Savannah College of Art and Design, aka SCAD, and um, you got into more like film-related stuff while you were there, right? Yeah. So that was my major: uh, film, video, and sound design. Mm. Although film was my major, when I found sound design. I kind of fell in love with sound and and discovered that that was one of my gifts was to be able to listen and um, articulate what was happening. You know, whether uh, on a technical side, whether it's good sound or bad sound. And one of the things that they tell you in art school is nobody's going to tell you if your audio is good. (laughs) Nobody. But they were going to tell you if it's bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so sound design, um, I fell in love with sound design. But uh, film is just something that I was kind of familiar with. Mm. Because some of the film that I shot uh, when I was 12 years old and all through my high school is in the film that I made. Right. So that's how far back this goes for me you know? yeah um since i was 12 i had a camera in my hand and um i was my mom she's a i, I always say she's a borderline hoarder because <laughs> uh, she just keeps things and and i was like how do you know you have this she'll she'll just pull it out there it is <laughs> or go look in here and she has it in an organized fashion too yes yeah. and then it's you awesome. become grateful for that right because she saved a bunch of stuff <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel so, the same way with my mom. She's got a bunch of my old drawings and stuff. And I'm like, God, that stuff is so cool to see now as a <laughs> grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. so you worked around audio and film for like all of your career from then on, um, which started in like after school, you went over to New York City and um, worked in audio. Yeah. After SCAD, I went to New York City and I uh, went to this school called FMC, Future Media Concepts. And uh, I was to take the master class of like Pro Tools. Mm. You know, that's the that's the thing. So I had a background in Pro Tools from college and uh, shout out to Lewis Heron and and Keith Reno. We were like the three musketeers of the sound in school. Nice. um, um, Later on. The crazy thing is, later on, I mean, Slingshot, Lewis Heron created that I would transfer my footage from New York to L.A. in a matter of minutes. And uh, Sound Lounge, I'm sorry, not Sound Lounge, um, Heard City, excuse me, Keith. Keith Reno created that. Um, and he actually, his his company that's based in New York City, uh, Heard City, uh, did the sound to the to the film. So oh, cool! My network was people that I went to school with. Man, so, that's so great. Yeah, I would work at this place called Sound Lounge, and um, I worked there like two, three days out of the week. And I would literally go right around the corner to Character Music Studios and make records, hip hop and R&B records. And how I got on to those guys was simply a blessing. So uh, these guys are R&B platinum producers. Uh, they did stuff like Boys to Men, uh, Whitney Houston, Carl Thomas, wow. Faith Evans, and uh, Trey Songs uh, mm. was around, and he was a teenager mm. when I was working with them, and he hadn't even uh, signed a deal, but he was demoing songs for other people when they would come in and say, "Hey, I'm looking for this type of record." They would go to the catalog, and he would demo different songs for them to keep in the catalog. So he's like 15, 16 years old at the time. That's crazy. And uh, um, shout out to Buddha. He did Put Your Hands. Him and Shamelo. Shout out to Buddha and Shamelo. They did Bust Arounds, Put Your Hands with Your Eyes to See. I worked with those guys really closely on some uh, independent projects. And I still talk to these guys today. And um, so I would literally leave one job and go to the other one to make records. That <laughs> That's so nuts. Yeah, and um, shout out to Lewis Heron. I mean, not Lewis Heron. Uh, Hanan Santiago, 
who would uh, who who taught me the format on making records. So my musical background actually helped out a lot because it's it's you need you need to know tempo, time signatures, and also um, um, how to cut the vocal and fly it to the different parts of the, of the song. Yeah, and uh, I got pretty good at that. Really good at that. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I would meet people like Buckwild, who was a hip hop legend producer. Um, I just remember he, he he recruited me out of that studio late one night and said, nice. hey, why don't you come make records with me in the Bronx? And sometimes when there was nothing going on or very little going on, Hanan would double book himself <laughs> and send me to another spot. <laughs> I'm very grateful for those experiences like that. That's so cool. So, yeah. That's really great. And then just coming out of college or art school and like jumping into that must have been so exhilarating. Um, and then I know that the, there's a period where 9-11 happened in New York and, um, you know, a bunch of dominoes fall or whatever which made you decide to move back to Georgia. And um, I'm curious about, like, internally, what was your, like, mental tug of war during that time, that decision-making? I'm going to keep it honest. Um, when 9-11 happened, I had been there, like, a month and a half. Mm. And I had, I had an interview with Character Music Studios, and that was my first time ever going to go see him. And um, I got on the train early. I'm a Southern boy. So I have like this, this suit on with some <laughs> hard shoes, right? I'm straight greens, been in the South uh, most of my life at that point. And um, I get on the train and then I get off the train and I see like people kind of like, in a panic. Oh man. Um, you know, it's a lot of chatter going on and there are people hovered and crowding like different TV screens that are in windows and uh something that you would see straight out of a movie. And I was I was kinda like still trying to get my way to this studio because I'm oh, like man. business as usual. You know? Yeah. And um when I learned what happened and they shut all of the trains down. Now I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to get back to Harlem? Yeah. You know, I'm on East 23rd and Broadway, right? And I have to drop, go back up to 122nd and 7th. So if you know the island at all, yeah, yeah. I have to hump, okay? <laughs> Crazy. I got on hard shoes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're all dressed up. <laughs> I'm all dressed up, man. And I called a partner of mine. His name is Chike Ozad. He uh he did uh uh Kanye West's first video in New York City too. Um him and Cootie. Uh I called him because he was working at MTV at the time and I said, Hey man, did you uh are you at are you at the Viacom building? And he was like, Nah man, I haven't even left to go to work yet. Wow. And He's like, I'm not going now. I was like, man, I was just wanting to see if you could, if you wanted to split a cab to go to Harlem. Man, he was like, nah, man, I'm I'm in Harlem right now. Yeah. And come to look, I just I, I got to like Columbus Circle and I looked up, and I was like, there's no way in hell I'm catching the cab. I'm talking about the city buses were filled to capacity, and over the limit. It's like that far off the ground. So many people in it. And I was just like, I guess I have to walk all the way. So I had to walk all the way, man. So did it influence my uh, decision? Not until like two and a half years later when the recession started to really hit. Yeah. I so see. I got to experience New York City really before um, I had to go. Because yeah. once the recession hit, um, you know, people weren't buying records. That's when MP3 slid in yeah, and started yeah, yeah. just kind of wrecking the whole record industry. So people weren't buying CDs like that anymore. So they put a lot of uh, cutbacks on it. Mm. 
it was a lot of variables that happened that made me go back to New York City. I mean, back to Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I read up a little bit and it looks like when you did get back to Georgia, you went to Atlanta and you did a few things that were more connected to the community there, um, putting on events and stuff. And um, you got any good stories from that that era? <laughs> I don't know who you've been talking to, man, but you've done your homework. Like, really. Shout, shout out to uh, Angelica, who um, is my assistant in helping research all this stuff. But <laughs> what? Wow. All right. So, yeah. So, um, so uh, about the building, it's a, it's a building called Conid, which is featured in the film also. Yeah. A building that my father built we had an agreement and part of that agreement was to do some of the things I learned and, and, and have seen in New York city and bring it to Savannah, Mm. Savannah, Georgia. So he had a building, it was a community center. And one of my tasks were to do something with the community. Yeah. So what I did was I had a back to school uh, block party. And the church had three quarters, three corners of the whole block. So Mm. the church on this, the church on that, church on the building that was there. And then there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken right here. (laughs) So so, this big parking lot area, I used that for the entertainment part of it. So I had a stage and I had local entertainers to come through. And, uh, you know, uh, perform, whether it was dance, whether it was singing, rapping, poetry, uh, whatever. Right. And also I gave out school supplies Ooh, yeah. um, in, in the name of the Connor, Connor's educational building. And also, of course, they ate. So I had somebody on the grill. It was just it was a good time. You know, yeah. it was a good time. Now, one thing about this area was. That church sat in the heart of two projects, two housing projects. Mm. So they wanted to do an outreach. And that was part of the uh, reason why we wanted to do a block party, because somebody needed to have some type of school supplies with the school being like one week away. So we did that as a community outreach. That's awesome. um, The kids, the crazy thing is, the kids knew who I was walking the street and hey, when are you gonna do another one? Blah blah blah. It was it was kind of cool to see that and and feel that. Yeah. And you know, those kids have no idea what it took to get that done, especially if you don't have the support that you feel like you need. Yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> you know, so uh, I did two block parties and also I decided to do something different in 2006, which was to have a multimedia installation inside the building, uh, the historical building that my father redid or restored. So it was about the building. And one of the paintings that was painted in 1950 by William Pleasant, it was that building. It was a painting of that building, which was a staple in in that community in in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And uh, that was recognized by the Georgia Historical Society, uh, the first black commercial building in Savannah, Georgia. Yes, that's awesome, dude. So because it was the YMCA and when the troops would come over um, from overseas back in the 50s, uh, they could not stay on the military base Hunter Army Airfield because of the color barrier. Mm. So they would go to places like this building that was restored by the kind of simple Baptist church. That's crazy. So, yeah, it had a lot of history. So I had all I had different pictures, uh, people who ran the building, the different dances that they had going on. And I I put a small video together and uh, the the painting that was that was featured by uh, that was um, loaned by his wife, mm. uh, William Pleasant's wife. So it was a good time. It was it was nice. It was something that I, you know, different that I had been doing. 
Uh, must have felt <laughs> good to time. just like go away and then come back and like immerse yourself in this community and like bring everything you learn kind of back there, right? That's, that's must have been a cool feeling. Yeah, and you know, uh, I, I I don't think it was a or should I say? Let's say how how can I say this? People in my community that I grew up with in the church, I wish more of them would have come to see that because it was something that they had been working on collectively mm. for years. But it was a lot of people from different communities coming to check that out, which mm. was also cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you embarked on a journey for over a decade, <laughs> which resulted in this movie, It Is Well. Um, I guess the last dozen years you've been working on this crazy, incredible documentary that um, I feel super lucky to have seen in a theater back in the day when theaters were a thing. <laughs> but, in Los Angeles. Yeah, right. It's going to be a little hard, but like, can you summarize for folks listening or watching this um, who your father was and what his impact was in Savannah and I guess in the country and the world? All right, so my father was the late Reverend Dr. Benny R. Mitchell Jr. Um, he was born in Edgefield, South Carolina, came to Savannah, Georgia. Well, did his education in Atlanta, Georgia, came to Savannah, Georgia in 1974 with his wife and his first child. Um, he was very outspoken when it came to equal rights, human rights. Uh, so he was very vocal in a time where it was not popular to be vocal in, in a, a city that was controlled by good old boys. Mm -hmm. um, so he fought against or spoke up for the, the, the down, downtrodden or the person who just didn't have a voice to speak up for themselves. And, um, that was him as a person, as a man. And he loved helping people. Uh, that was just part of his deal. He just loved helping people. Um, so uh, my, that doesn't really uh, fully encompass my father. He just did a lot uh, for the city who the uh, people of color had uh, to help their self-esteem and also... Um, to stand up for what's right, what's equal, and, and, and try to build a better community on uh, basic, fundamental building blocks for a strong community. Yeah. And, you know, he was recognized by a lot of names that are national that people do, rec that people would recognize um, who aren't from Georgia. Uh, Martin Luther King, um, Jesse Jackson, maybe, right? There's some photos yeah. and video together yeah and um he played a role in the creation of martin luther king day in your region um i have i i stole your movie trailer and i want to show that to people is that cool <laughs> yeah sure steal away <laughs> so i have a two-minute video of of benny's film i want to show everybody and for the folks listening on the podcast um you know, this is this is Benny's audio. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We should hail and support the gospel and the philosophy of Dr. King because he believed and was willing to die for peace, love, righteousness, justice, equality, and for freedom. Many ministers are well-meaning, but not well-doing. Well-doing requires action. Anybody willing to march down the streets, call people to act, and take the risk, Reverend Mitchell. Every city has a street name, an avenue named after Dr. King. We don't have that yet. But, but it's coming, though, isn't it? Every little county, they got their own parade now. But these counties, they were afraid. And that's how you know he was a God-sent man. He wasn't afraid of anything. I will be proud to be the mayor of a city council who at the first meeting in February, I will join a consensus of city council to name West Broad Street in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King. 
we put him on the program that year for, for the mayor to talk about the things that he was going to do. And in his comments, he decided to espouse the strategy that he developed with the other group. So Reverend Mitchell and I huddled very quickly and he said, uh, that's not what we talked about. Now the mayor almost threw something in my cogwheel when he's talking about we're gonna get West Broad Street. We didn't ask for West Broad Street. We asked for 37th Street. When Dr. Mitchell stood up in the Civic Center and he called Rosakis out, we were afraid for his life. The fact of the matter, there were threats on his life because he stood up and he went against the machine. There were threatening phone calls, threatening to bomb the house, threatening to get us in the streets. There were upsetting times. And of course, you do what you need to do because you had three children. We understand that in Dr. King's words, that we are interrelated. And what affects you directly affects me indirectly. And I cannot be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you cannot be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. It is well. Let's take a little break. Hey friends, not sure if you know this, but I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. We're a volunteer-driven organization that provides resources, scholarships, and mentorship to Asian American creatives looking to incorporate activism into their art. We also produce events that feature these talented creators. Our last virtual concert helped over 500 people register to vote for the very first time. You can learn about and support the Slants Foundation by visiting theslants.org. Thanks, and see you soon. Let's get back to the show. That's my friend well. Benny's film, It Is Well, Benny R. Mitchell III. Um, Benny's documentary is extremely well done. It's like super emotional and like inspiring. <laughs> um, Benny's family also runs the BRM Junior Institute, which um, I guess it provides media and information, but scholarships and stuff as well. And um, it honors the Reverend's work and life. And uh, if you want to watch this movie, you can find it on Amazon Prime Video right now, or you can find more information about it at brmjuniorinstitute.org. Um, Benny, man, like I said, it's just... Uh, I'm extremely honored to just have a tiny platform to like share your work and your father's legacy with everybody. And it's just so important, right? It's just um, like we were talking about lineage and history and stuff like this stuff can get lost. And I'm, I respect you so much for like just putting in the effort and everything to, to make it happen. It's just crazy. And it looks like you drew on all of the skills that you learned throughout your life to make this happen. Um, what are some of the things that you went through in making this film that normal people don't see? Okay, so I'm sure you're an artist, Bob. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you've heard this, which is, it's not about the outcome or the final product, it's about the journey, right? Yeah. Right. So some things you absolutely cannot purchase, which are some of those lessons that you learn. And one thing that I learned or got a better understanding was it takes money to do anything. Oh, yeah. So I didn't have a, a great support system when it comes to like my father being a community man and some, you know, I would, I would, I, I would, I had high hopes on uh, pulling that through when it came to raising money to make this happen. Um, I fell flat on my face when, when that, when that came up because people just wanted to see what I was going to do. Right. And they assumed and a lot of did, stuff, right? Cause of your yeah. Yeah. Totally. And um, so there were a series of things that had happened to me that fired me up to say, this is going to get done even if it kills me. Wow. 
And uh, I really took that approach because it almost buried me for real. And uh, so I emptied out all the money that I had saved, 401k, the record money that I had, everything. I just dumped everything on the table and moved to Los Angeles after a, a failed attempt at raising money. Mm. Um, so I just took everything that I had, man, and put it on the table and said, hey, they say you only live once. So let's give it a good shot. I'm proud of you, dude. <laughs> it's <Thanks>. so crazy. <laughs> um, your father actually passed away while you were already starting to make this film. And I'm curious how you had to like recalibrate and, and what impact that had on your process. Man, the last interview he did, I, I, I conducted. Mm. Um, November 17th, 2010 uh, was his last interview. I had no idea he was, you know, about to pass away. Um, it was totally uh, inspired actions mm. that even that even got me to the point of setting up, picking a date, and the producer that was helping me out. Shout out to Jelani Hardy. Um, uh, got the crew for me and set up everything. Uh, I, all I had to do was just tell him where I wanted it, and and we got we got to work. After he passed, my attitude changed, mm. and also the look of the film changed. So I started to go crazy on shooting. I, I shot for like maybe about two weeks straight. Uh, shout out to Kai. Walker for organizing um, 2,500 tapes in the summer. And she just started, she just started doing it. She did it the whole summer and um, we got like maybe like 10,000 left to go. Wow. And um, that was done in like the summer of 2011. So I just started shooting. I just started shooting. And then uh, I started shooting again in 2013 and went to L.A. 2013 and sh caught Reverend Jesse Jackson. Mm. Uh, so I just started I just started shooting and any opportunity. I started shooting in an environment where I could actually go back and get some. That's why you see two different interviews with uh, two different dates with the same person. Mm. Um, um, because, like I said, the look had changed. Yeah. So. Um, so, uh, just, just, that was it. And my mom, she thought I was becoming obsessive and I was like, you know, I, I really can't explain to somebody who don't understand. You can never explain it, your vision to somebody on the outside looking in. Yeah. You can't, you can't do it. So don't even try it. Just do what you're going to do move on so you can get to the next level mm. or the next uh the next part of your journey so i just shot like crazy as much as i could i did like 74 interviews <laughs> so um, gnarly. and uh, i didn't even get to use all of them but um uh so yeah that was part of it and um my determination kicked up uh because it it felt like it went from something being inspired action to an obligation. Mm. It, I, I owed that. Mm. Wow. Wow. And, and like I said, you know, before we even started this journey, nobody could have done this but me. Yeah. Because of the <laughs> stuff that was shot even in college. Like I made my first record with my father in 1998. 1999 we shot the video all of that is in the film it's you know just, just yeah it's, it's crazy it's, so uh there is many stories that i can continue on on how this thing was uh put together patched together wo woven together so 
uh, every every scene has a different story on how it was done from audio to video. Mm. Wow. So, so um, you know, the coming together as a whole, the film obviously is about your father, but uh, I, I feel like you're going to have a hard time answering this question. <laughs> what do you think? The film and the creation of the film says about you as uh, a filmmaker, but also the son of the subject of the film. Oh man, I think this is—I I read that question before, and this is when I insert my shades. Right, I put on these really dark shades, so you can't really see the emotion I'm trying not to project. Uh, what does it say about me? I loved my father. I miss him very dearly. That was one thing that I owed not only to my father, but to my ancestors. Yeah. Out of... um. Out of all the people who fought, died, suffered lifelong injuries, for me to have an opportunity to do something like this. I owe that more to the to more than just my father. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What does it say about me? Um, I took the opportunity. Um, you know, growing up, I've always heard that I wouldn't last, I wouldn't live past twenty five years old. Wow. And that was the going rate for young black men at that moment. Wow. And um. You know, if your own people didn't take you out, the cops would. Um, so I can definitely say I did something that I wanted to do. Uh, I had a chance to do it, and I took a gamble. Yeah. And whatever consequences come up from that, I, I have to deal with it. But that's one thing that I can say I, I did in my life. Man, thanks for sharing that. I'm really grateful. <laughs> yeah, Bao, only you. <laughs> I, w- I would have been shut this computer off like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Manny, um, I made a little image so people can see where to, to find the video. So I'm going to show that right now. Cool, thank you. It as well is Benny's film. Um, it's streaming right now on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, there's a bunch of information on the film, but also on the Reverend Benny R. Mitchell Jr.'s life and legacy at brmjuniorinstitute.org. I'm going to spell that for y'all. B-R-M-J-R-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot org. Uh, hop over there. You've got to see this film. It's just, you know, it means so much to entire communities and generations of people. Um, but it's also like something that only you could have made, right, Benny? It's just, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so you've been yeah. on the move lately. You had started to tour the film in a various locations and theaters and stuff until COVID put a stop to that. And um, now that you're out in what, North, North Carolina, you said? Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> um, have you had a chance to think about what the next chapter in Benny's life is going to be about? <sighs> yeah, a little bit. 
Um, you know, moving around a lot and doing something that you want to do. You kind of like want to say, I haven't had a girlfriend in a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I might try to like maybe get one of those. Right. <laughs> and, and see how that works out. Um, no, seriously. Uh, yeah, I have. And I don't know how it's going to be, you know, how it's going to get done. But that's not that's not what I'm supposed to worry about. So, yeah, I started writing a, a script, um, which is basically the documentary in a narrative format. And um, of course, I will absolutely get a chance to put in the things that I omitted, like mm. different things that my father did or um, uh, can play out uh, events that happened in the sequence. It would be better if it was a series, but hey, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been thinking about creatively. Uh, I do want to get back into like the music a little bit, but what I really need to do is just focus on, um, you know, um, getting some money from somewhere because, you know, basically to do what I did, um, they took money and I took mine early. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. So, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, hopefully uh, the goal is to exercise some of these talents to get paid for and um, be able to continue to still uh, tell my father's story and some of his teachings. Mm. Like I said, I got like 10,000 more tapes to go through. <laughs> that's insane. I'm not even playing. Like the, the stuff that's in the film, I had a hard, I had a hard decisions to... To figure out what was gonna be played, yeah. shown, you know, and and I wanted to, you know, in making the film, I wanted as cohesive as possible and still get a message across yeah. on the type of person he was. So I could have easily made this film two and a half hours, no problem, but I didn't. Um, now you got this big portfolio piece to. <laughs> Prove that you can do this. So, you know, I hope that results in some people um, helping you fund your next project. Um, we had a chance recently to be in the same clubhouse room a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but, you know, to, to me, the essence of it was just talking about how as we grow up, we're constantly learning more about ourselves, our values, our preferences. Um, and I, I was wondering, like, is there anything right now that you're focused on, um, leveling up on for Benny? Yeah. Uh, myself. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say I lost myself, but I, I, I think to a point you do have to kind of like, uh, put down some things to get something that you want done. And I put a lot of things off to, to do this film. Mm. Um, so really uh, there were some things also that I did not handle in the background when it comes to mental health. Uh, so uh, I really probably should have sought some help after my father died and I did not do that. Uh, I thought the film uh, was gonna help me figure that out. Um, it didn't mm. per se, because it was just something that I could uh, lean on on a crutch. Mm. And now that I'm not putting this, this film together, I feel a big void in my life. Um, not too big. I guess there's a, a bit of a void because took up so much of my time and yeah. getting stuff done and just being on the phone. It was a huge part of my life, a big part of my life. And so my focus right now is 
my mental health, I think I think I may be depressed, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, dealing with this whole COVID thing on top of yeah uh, the things that we have to do to survive. So I, I am actively seeking a therapist. So that's what I'm doing to level up myself. <laughs> that's real, man. That's real. And yeah, that's just like, I just hope and pray that people are more okay talking about this stuff, you know, from now on. And um, so I think you are a super talented and very smart and a Southern gentleman. <laughs> but um, uh, what do you think the key is to being a decent person to the world around you? Like, what is, like, the essence of being good? Man, Bob, that's a crazy question because everybody's not built the same. Mm. You, you need... You need you need an asshole in your life every now and again, because you you need to really figure out like who you are, and sometimes the opposite compliments. Sometimes it uh will raise awareness about yourself. Yeah. Um, different situations, and just seeing what you can learn from anything that happens, even if it feels a little funny to you. There's a lesson to be taught, a lesson to be learned. Um, wow. So I mean, everybody is not built the same. Everybody will ne- it will never be peace. Uh, total world peace. You yeah. can have peace in sits total in different situations, but um, you can walk through this life and uh, you know as if there's a saying like you can walk through the life or uh, like you got like you own cotton in Augusta. Right. That, that, so, <laughs> so that's a that's a old a old and saying. You know, you, you walk in you walk in like you own cotton in Augusta, meaning that uh you have no worries. You have people anybody who talks to you at that point, especially those who are working for you, are beneath you. Yeah. And and that's the thing about it. I mean, to to to, to learn from a situation, you have to have some type of compassion towards the people around you. The people that's making you rich. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. <laughs> that's crazy. Benny, I am so grateful that you agreed to spend time with me, talk about all this stuff, and be super real about it, too. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for making this film, too. I hope everybody goes and checks it out. Man, thank you for having me, Val. You never <laughs> forgot about me. You know, um, I I think you're super talented too, man. I mean, when I first heard your music, the first thing I thought about was the the time, the band. That's awesome. And yeah, and uh, you know, seeing you in your space and your creativity, man, it it just helps. Um, it inspires people because nobody would think that I would. I could play your music and people would be like, no way. Yes, wow. <laughs> cool. So yeah, man, you're an inspiration as well, especially and thank you for doing this video. That's awesome. Um, hang on for a couple minutes, Benny. I'm gonna give a little outro, and then I'll come back and uh, do a proper human goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Benny R. Mitchell the Third has been my guest. Benny has a debut feature film called It Is Well. It's so very important and impactful. You can find Benny at or and his film at brmjrinstitute.org. Uh, the film's streaming right now on Amazon Prime Video. Please go check it out. If you like this show, please support me by hitting the subscribe button and uh, share this with somebody because that's that's how this stuff gets around, right? Um, I'm starting to put out episodes every other week now because Coffee with Bao is such a resource-intensive project. So if you can support me financially, hit me up on coffeewithbao.com. There's a big blue support button. 
And uh, yeah, I'd really appreciate that. And I thank you very much for having coffee with Bao and Benny. See you next time. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.